This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. A West Virginia-based nonprofit is filing a therapeutic need for veterans and first responders by training service dogs. Caroline McGregor has the story. You know, he built those World Trade Centers, and the thing that built him was one of the things that took him away. So we want to raise awareness that they're everyday people that have sacrificed their lives for us. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. That was Herbert Hoover High School's marching band leading the U.S. Capitol Christmas tree in front of the state capitol Tuesday evening. Thousands turned out on the warm day to see the 63-foot Norway spruce headed for the nation's capital in a tradition that goes back more than 50 years. West Virginia's Monongahela National Forest supplied this year's tree. It's the third time that's happened since the architect of the Capitol in Washington first asked the U.S. Forest Service to provide a tree in 1970. The U.S. Capitol tree came from the Greenbrier Ranger District in Randolph County. The Greenbrier District provided the 1970 tree, and the Gauley Ranger District supplied the 1976 tree. This year's tree loaded on a flatbed trailer has a few more stops to make before it arrives on Capitol Hill on November 17th. The lighting ceremony will take place after Thanksgiving on the West Lawn, hosted by U.S. Senator Joe Manchin. A five-year federal court case involving Union Carbide is moving into the next phase. Curtis Tate has more. $64,618 per violation per day. That's the maximum penalty Union Carbide would pay for violating the Clean Water Act at a landfill it owns in South Charleston. In late September, the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of West Virginia ruled that the company has been in violation of the federal law since 2015. The court will ultimately determine what penalty Union Carbide will pay, but added together, one violation over eight years could cost more than $188 million. Union Carbide and the plaintiff in the case, Cortland Company, will bring in expert witnesses to determine how many of those days Union Carbide was in violation. Cortland has requested that the penalty phase of the trial take place in April 2024. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. A bomb threat was reported Monday at West Virginia University. Caroline McGregor reports. The bomb threat was made just before 12.30 p.m. on the Evansdale campus in Morgantown. According to WVU officials, a university employee in the Mineral Resources Building received a phone call prompting an evacuation order to be posted on the university's X page, formerly Twitter, The Engineering Sciences buildings were closed and public transit services at the Engineering Station temporarily halted. After performing a thorough search of the Mineral Resources building, university police officers found no evidence of a threat and campus operations returned to normal around 2 p.m. An investigation into the origin of the call is underway. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Caroline McGregor. Numerous West Virginia judges say the passing of Judge Robert Stone removes a pillar of the judicial community. Randy Yowie has more. 
Senior Status Judge Robert B. Stone passed away on Monday. He served as a circuit judge in Monongalia County for 24 years and was Senior Status Judge for almost 15 years. Supreme Court of Appeals Justice John Hutchison says the longtime Chief Circuit Judge was a quiet leader and a consensus builder. Hutchison called Stone a forward thinker who used his rich knowledge of the law to improve the overall system of judging. He was a behind-the-scenes kind of guy that everybody turned to if there was an issue that needed to be dealt with. Hutchison says Stone was a driving force, especially in times of judicial upheaval, that at the circuit court level, things were going the way they needed to go. Judge Stone and his wife Suzanne had six children. He was 79 years old. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie in Charleston. The Biden administration is asking Congress for domestic supplemental funding to assist with the opioid crisis and child care costs, some of which would come to West Virginia. Emily Rice reports. If adopted, West Virginia would receive an estimated $39 million to counter fentanyl trafficking and strengthen addiction treatment, overdose prevention measures, and recovery support services. Javier Becerra is the Secretary of the Federal Department of Health and Human Services. From this year to previous year, uh, West Virginia saw, I think, almost 1,500 deaths from overdose, most of those opioid overdose. And the lion's share today driven by fentanyl. And so the $1.6 billion that the president is requesting uh, in emergency funding for opioids uh, would really help us target fentanyl and let states try to make sure that they can catch someone before they overdose. West Virginia also stands to gain $107 million for child care if the domestic supplemental funding request is adopted by Congress. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 750. Becoming mostly sunny today, high temperatures in the 60s and 70s, breezy tonight with a chance of rain, lows in the 50s. Tomorrow, partly cloudy and windy with a chance of rain, highs in the 50s, 60s and 70s. Chance of rain tomorrow night and Friday, lows in the 30s and 40s, highs on Friday in the 50s. Support for WVPB is provided by Solar Holler, making clean energy available to West Virginia homeowners of all income levels. More at solarholler.com. A West Virginia-based nonprofit is filing a therapeutic need for veterans and first responders by training service dogs. Caroline McGregor has the story. Founded by Wayne and Anjanette Montanio, Thinline Service Dogs provides dogs to veterans and first responders across the state and country. Based in Hedgesville, Berkeley County, the organization's co-founder, Anjanette Montanio, says the name Thin Line references the line of danger crossed voluntarily by people in service to their fellow human beings. She says each dog is named after a fallen hero. We recognize the hurt from the families when they lose their hero. 
we want to take that loss and turn it into a way to honor someone who's honored us. Through the connection established with the dog, the families of the fallen heroes are provided a sense of happiness and hope that their loved one is not forgotten. The dogs are carefully selected as puppies and trained to help veterans and first responders with physical, emotional and mental health disabilities. They also help departments and the critical incident stress management teams looking for rapid response or facility peer support dogs. We provide um, crisis response canines to work on peer support, SISM teams, make morale visits. Sometimes the departments will want to do what we call a train and trade and will raise that dog when they don't have enough money. They, even though they turn it back in, they're able to get that resource of that dog in their department without having the financial means to do that because that's paid through Finline for the immediate use of these American heroes. The dogs can also be used at VA hospitals and firefighter rehabilitation centers. In the future, Anjanette hopes to provide dogs to healthcare and criminal justice facilities. Montano's husband, Wayne, is a Navy veteran and a firefighter. Both he and Anjanette have their own service dogs, an experience that inspired them to help others. After reading a report from the Ruderman Family Foundation that found first responders are more likely to die by suicide than in the line of duty, the couple became even more motivated to train the dogs. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, depression and PTSD through constant exposure to death and trauma are the primary reasons. Anjanette says golden retrievers are known for their gentle, affectionate and obedient nature, making them great service dogs. Golden retrievers are proven over and over and over with their temperament. They love to please. They love to work. Through our breeding program, we make sure that we get good solid hips and elbows and shoulders to tell us that they're able to do that work. They can go out and work, but yet they can also come in and just be there readily available. The cost to cover the two years it takes to train the dogs is paid for by sponsors, with each dog provided at no cost to their new owners. One of those dogs is Billy, a puppy sponsored by Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. Billy is um, seven months old. He's extremely smart. He was hand-picked. And Billy is, he's not disappointing. Billy is named after William Billy Joseph Cashman of New Jersey, an Army veteran who died during 9-11. Cashman and a friend were on United Airlines Flight 93 headed to Yosemite National Park to go hiking when the plane was hijacked by terrorists and went down in a Pennsylvania field. Cashman's ties to 9-11, however, extend beyond that fateful flight. As a young man, he had served as a paratrooper in the 101st Airborne Division, Screaming Eagles. He later became a welder, teaching night classes to union apprentices. During his first 40 years with Ironworkers Local 46, Cashman's skills helped construct the World Trade Center. Anjanette says his story is a way to remind people about those who sacrifice their lives for others. So the story about Cashman is he's one of those kind of unsung. You know, he built those World Trade Centers, and the thing that built him was one of the things that took him away. So we want to raise awareness that they're everyday people that have sacrificed their lives for us. The dogs assist their handlers with daily tasks, increasing mental stimulation and combating loneliness. The puppies start their training when they are just three days old to retain as much information as possible in preparation for when they are placed with puppy raisers. The dog's unconditional love provides more than a happy distraction. And Jeanette says the dogs have been shown to improve heart health due to anxiety and stress reduction and even help with emotional and social skills. They also help their owners get more exercise and a better quality of sleep. 
So the dogs also assist in, you know, making them get up and get moving. A dog needs to go out and use the bathroom. A dog needs to be fed. A dog needs to be walked. It needs to be mentally um, stimulated. So being able to get them out and do that, it brings them to a whole other focus than on themselves. All factors, she explained, that help people with physical and emotional disabilities like PTSD. The exercising piece, of course, you know, lowering the heart rate, better, better fit, better emotional state of mind when you're focusing on someone else or something other than you. And this dog becomes their workmate, their best friend. Each hour caring for a thin-lined puppy is essential to its development as a future service dog. Montano says the puppy raisers work closely with thin-lined staff, providing monthly reports to help monitor the puppy's progress. Puppy raisers need to provide a stable home environment, commit to once-a-week training, and take the dog out into the community at least five days a week. The dogs are taught socialization opportunities that include public outings and medical appointments. They'll be taught how to interrupt a leg pumping, the stressors, um, the fist pump, the hands on the heads. Those are key indicators of stress and anxiety and PTSD so that if they're working in a crisis response scenario or with a first responder that is suffering from PTSD, we already have that started. The puppies are eventually returned to advanced training and matched with their new handler. The dogs help manage a disability and provide a sense of security to their handler. They're trained to interrupt nightmares, a PTSD episode, or help retrieve mobility devices like braces and even pull wheelchairs. And Jeanette says they are always looking for willing trainers. So being a puppy raiser, yes, you do have to turn the dog in, but we will take people who have no clue about training and train them. That's part of the beautiful process of being a part of our mission. To learn more about becoming a trainer or a sponsor for service dogs like Billy, visit our webpage at wvpublic.org. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Caroline McGregor. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Caroline McGregor, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.